and there were other scenes. Standing on that scaffold of the pillory, she saw again her native village in Old England and her paternal home, her father's face, and her mother's too, long since asleep in death. Then she beheld the countenance of another man, well stricken in years. He had a pale, thin, scholar-like visage, eyes dim and bleared by the lamplight that had served them to pore over many ponderous books. This figure was slightly deformed, with the left shoulder a trifle higher than the right. Next she saw scenes of her new life as the wife of this misshapen scholar. But, however, she soon came back to the rude marketplace, with all the townspeople assembled and leveling their stern gazes at her. Could it be true? Could she be standing on the scaffold of the pillory, an infant in her arms, and the letter A in scarlet embroidered with gold thread upon her bosom? Yes, these were her realities. All else had vanished. At this instant she became aware of two figures at the edge of the crowd, an Indian, and by his side a white man clad in a strange disarray of civilized and savage costume. He was small in stature, with a furrowed visage that could hardly be called aged, and a remarkable intelligence in his features. Although he had endeavored to conceal it, it was evident that one of his shoulders rose higher than the other. At the sight of him, Hester pressed her infant to her bosom with so convulsive a force that the babe uttered a cry of pain. At his arrival in the marketplace, the stranger had bent his eyes upon Hester, carelessly at first, but his look soon became keen. A writhing sorrow, like a snake, twisted over his features. When he found Hester's eyes fastened on his own, and saw that she recognized him, he slowly raised his finger, made a gesture with it in the air, and then laid it on his lips. Touching the shoulder of a townsman, he asked, I pray you, good sir, who is this woman, and wherefore is she here set up to public shame? You must be a stranger, answered the man, else you would surely have heard of Mistress Hester Prynne and her evil doings. You say truly, replied the other, I am a stranger, and have been a wanderer against my will. I have met with grievous mishaps by sea and land, and have long been held in bonds by the heathen folk. Will it please you, therefore, to tell me of this woman's offenses? Yonder woman, the townsman explained, was the wife of a certain learned man, English by birth, but who had long dwelt in Amsterdam, whence he was minded to cross over and cast his lot with us here. To this purpose he sent his wife before him, remaining himself to look after some affairs. Very good, sir, in some two years that this woman has been a dweller here, no tidings have come of this learned gentleman. His young wife, being left to her own misguidance, I conceive you, said the stranger with a better smile. So learned a man should have learned this too in his books. And who, sir, may be the father of yonder babe? Of a truth, that matter remaineth a riddle, replied the townsman. Madam Hester absolutely refuses to speak, and since her husband may be at the bottom of the sea, her penalty is not death. In their great mercy the magistrates have doomed Mistress Prynne to stand a space of three hours on the platform, and, then and thereafter, for the remainder of her natural life, to wear a mark of shame upon her bosom. A wise sentence, remarked the stranger, 
It irks me, nevertheless, that the partner of her iniquity should not stand here beside her. But he will be known, he will be known. While this conversation transcribed, Hester had been standing on her pedestal, with her gaze fixed upon the stranger. Thus she hardly heard a voice behind her decreeing, Hearken unto me, Hester Prynne! Directly over the platform was a kind of balcony appended to the meeting-house. Here were seated the governor and other dignitaries. The voice which had called to her was that of the reverend and famous John Wilson, the eldest clergyman of Boston. Hester Prynne, he repeated. I have striven with my young brother here, under whose preaching of the word you have been privileged to sit. He paused and laid his hand on the shoulder of the pale young man beside him. I have sought to persuade this godly youth that...